Welcome everyone to Tamrielic Adventures, a show bringing you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric, aka Sulior, and this one is the Khajiiti Merchant. Merchant, how are you doing today? This one is doing quite well, thank you for asking. And how are you doing today, Sulior? I'm doing okay. So, today is a very special episode. So, today we wrap up our series on Oblivion. And like I'd mentioned in the last episode and in the little update that I'd posted, I didn't know what else to really do or if you guys even wanted me to continue. So I posted a question on Twitter asking if you guys wanted me to even continue doing more Oblivion-related topics. I posted it as a poll, and I asked that if people did that they would post a comment at you know saying what topic they would like for me to explore and i did get a couple of responses so today is going to be a listener suggestion episode but before we get to that there is a little bit of news not a whole lot first off if you are looking to get the pre-order bonuses for the uh, Blackwood chapter of ESO, you have until the 17th to do that. So that's coming up, guys. So just a couple of weeks more. So get on that. Um, also, there is the Heroes Reforged event going on. So you get a free pet and respects during this. So this event launches with the update 29 um, going live. So that starts with PC and Mac on Monday, March 8th at 10 a.m. and Xbox One and PlayStation 4 Tuesday, March 16th. So uh, there's a little bit of space in between the platforms. Now this goes for two weeks following that. So uh, definitely take advantage of that while you can. The free pet is an amber sheen veil fawn so and it looks kind of cool kind of like a, a deer with a bunch of stu- uh, spots and stripes and everything so looks kind of cool as far as update 29 it looks like update 29 is going to be a big uh, kind of an overhaul of the champion system so currently the champion system is going to be or it currently it is nine constellations and they are going to change that to be three different constellation groups. So there's going to be warfare, fitness, and craft, and then you just go ahead and uh, add your points in that way. So I guess it's supposed to be a little bit cleaner, a little bit easier to understand. So if you know what ability you're wanting to update i guess uh, add points to it's going to be a little bit easier to find what you're looking for so cool i i think that's going to be good so uh, i guess i'm looking forward to that um they've also uh, made a big update to the um, crown store so they've added some new stuff in there some pets some outfits uh it looks like there's a there's a free statue for uh, eso plus subscribers there's a pet available called a Watcher. It kind of looks like a mini Hermaeus Mora. So yeah, it's a pocket watcher. They've added some style items, crafting items. So uh, it looks cool. Definitely check that out. So also in the news, they have introduced some more information about Deathloop. So they kind of... They posted a video just kind of explaining the concept and what you're going to be doing. So they did say that Deathloop is coming exclusively to PS5 and will launch on uh, PC the same day. So yeah, just, just PlayStation 5 and PC. So us Xbox players are kind of screwed. And if I remember right, it's the same thing with Ghostwire Tokyo. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that Ghostwire Tokyo is also going to be a a PlayStation exclusive, PlayStation PC. Unfortunately, who knows, maybe that'll change down the road since Microsoft now is in the process of purchasing ZeniMax. 
we'll see hopefully got my fingers crossed although I don't have a series console I just have an Xbox one uh, so yeah I guess we'll find out who knows maybe if the switch pro rumors are true they'll eventually come to that I won't hold my breath on that Anyway, that's really about it as far as news. Now, my gameplay is going to be a little light. So, I have played some Skyrim on stream. But this all started with Fallout 4. So, I am on Scorecation with Fallout 76, which has been nice. The grind, as I said, gets real with that game. Although, there are some non-season uh, stuff that I can take part in, like the camping badges and stuff like that. But I have been enjoying my Fallout 76 scorecation, easy for me to say, by playing a hell of a lot of Fallout 4. Now, if you've been following the show for a little bit, now you know that... I also have a Fallout podcast with fellow Hive member KDB, and I felt kind of bad because I still hadn't finished the main game with Fallout 4. And it's like, okay, I've got a Fallout podcast, and I haven't finished one of the games, like the most recent mainline game. So I wanted to remedy that. So I have now finished the main story with Fallout 4 and I went railroad so in my opinion from what I've heard that's the best ending that you can do but there's four different ways you can play it you can either go railroad you can go institute you can go brotherhood or you can go Minutemen and to be completely honest the Minutemen didn't really interest me a whole lot I think that's probably a better ending than going institute especially going institute but the Brotherhood of Steel never in Fallout 4 hasn't really appealed to me all that much. I did enjoy them in Fallout 3, but from my understanding in Fallout 4, they're kind of dicks. But then again, so is the Institute. The only reason why I would go Institute is because of who the head of the Institute is. If you haven't played Fallout 4, I'm not going to spoil it, but... Yeah, he's kind of an important person in your character's life. So, I have played that. I finished the main story on that, and now I'm kind of working on Far Harbor. And I'll soon be doing Nuke World also. But, uh, I do have a character, as I mentioned, for Fallout 4 that I'm doing for the Fallout Feed Roundtable, who is Institute. So that'll be interesting. So, but looking at that, you know, the common consensus is that mods are mostly for PC. Now, there is a bigger variety of mods for PC, but it is very easy to download mods for not just Fallout 4, but for Skyrim as well with Xbox. There's actually a menu option in the main menu right underneath the Creation Club, um, options so I added some mods to Fallout 4 and then I was like you know what I'm gonna do that with Skyrim too so I have played with the mods a little bit I haven't added a ton I've got more mods for Fallout 4 than I do for Skyrim but there were a few that I was looking for in particular there was Macho Dragons which was the very first mod I ever had when I was playing mainly on PC. So what this is, is it is not just a reskinning, but it um, goes over the audio files also and changes them to look and sound like Randy Savage. So there's actually a YouTube video that you can look this up on where it'll show the intro where you're about to get your head chopped off and they're like next prisoner on the block prisoner and you're waiting there to get your head cut off and you just hear this Ooh, yeah macho man's coming for you and everybody's confused wondering what's going on and then you just hear because i'm wild yeah you want excitement snap to a slim jim and it's just hilarious 
Now, I know that people also highly praise the mod that changes the dragons to look and sound like Thomas the Tank Engine. But that one really annoys me because, yeah, it's funny watching Thomas the Tank Engine fly around, but that whistle, hearing that over and over and over and over again got really annoying. It's just toot-toot, toot-toot, toot-toot. Yeah, I was done with that after a couple of minutes. So there is that. Now, I also added a couple of story mods, and I'm going to be looking at other mods too. I'm going to be looking at some player housing mods. I'm going to, I don't know about weapons. I may do some weapons. There's a lot of weird ones out there that like, hey, let's add Pokemon to Skyrim, where it'll be, you know, the uh, enemies, but they use conjuration spells to summon random things. Like they had, um, they changed the uh, people would be summoning Argonians that are, you know, colored red to be like, oh, here's a Charizard. No, no, not really. Um, but with my story mods, for the most part, I like them to be lore-friendly. So I've actually played a couple, or I played one of these on stream this past week. So I got a mod called Moonpath to Elsewhere where it'll t you'll hop on a caravan and travel to elsewhere. Now, it makes a couple of stops on the way, but what's really cool about this is this mod has been out since before ESO came out, and it was the first time that I'd ever heard about the other Khajiiti first stocks that I did a whole episode on. So you actually encounter these in Skyrim in this through this mod, it has the Palmer, it's got Tojay, Rot, I'm sure there's some other ones. But yeah, it was my introduction. I, like, I had no idea before that because I didn't really... I did know a little bit about lore, but I didn't know all about the different varieties of Khajiit until then. So that's been really cool. It is a little challenging because you encounter a lot of spiders early on. And these aren't frost spiders, so they don't have the same weakness as the mods in the vanilla game. So watching me struggle with that was probably a little challenging, or not a little challenging, but a little entertaining for some of you who watched. Now, the other one that I got that I haven't jumped back into, but I've played in the past, is called The Forgotten City. And this is a mod that's actually gotten some really high praise from the community. So, like I said, I'm going to be looking into uh, some other mods in the future, and I will update you guys as soon as I do. Like I said, I'm going to try and get some player housing mods, so maybe Ayla will quit bitching about living at Lakeshore Manor <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, we'll see. So, like I said, I'll keep you guys updated. So, that really is it as far as gameplay. I recently purchased the ultimate edition of Assassin's Creed Odyssey and it was because it was on sale for 75% off I really have been wanting to play that because I'm a fan of Greek mythology so uh, this came with the game all of the DLC and the remastered Assassin's Creed 3 for just over $30. So I couldn't pass that deal up. So I'll probably be playing that here either today or tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that on my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash So anyway, uh, let's take a short break and we will talk about your suggestions. So stay tuned, guys. guys welcome back after that short break now i forgot to mention that there was another article that i've seen recently where bethesda could be facing a lawsuit uh, because of the creation club with fallout 4 now i think this is kind of silly but i can kind of see people's points so the whole idea is that when Bethesda put out the season pass, it said that 
all DLC will be included in this season pass. And then they came out with the Creation Club. Now, the Creation Club is basically mods that you pay for. So, it's kind of silly because people are saying, well, this is DLC. So, this should be included in the season pass. But the thing is, these are mods. These aren't DLC. Now, they may be mods made by developers for the Fallout series. But still, they're... There's short little things, like, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I can kind of see people's point because Oblivion had the horse armor, where all it was was armor for your horse, and that was considered DLC. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's kind of silly, but I can see people's point. So, yeah, there there's that. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. And we'll go from there. So this episode, as I mentioned, is going to be a couple of topics that were suggested by members of the community. So thank you guys for hopping on that. And next week, or not next week, but the next episode will be back to the Adra and the Daedra series. And I'll be talking about Mara. So... Now, our first suggestion, I, uh, I'm i surprised that I didn't... I, I might have briefly mentioned this, but I don't know if I've really gotten into it. So this is suggested by KDB, and he asked if I could go into the changes in the gameplay between Morrowind and Oblivion. So... I definitely, I think I've mentioned that a little bit, but let's let's get into it. So, Oblivion was a huge overhaul from Morrowind. Now, Skyrim was a big overhaul from Oblivion, but mainly graphics-wise. A lot of the gameplay and a lot of the mechanics were brought over from Oblivion. But Morrowind is a whole different animal compared to Oblivion. Obviously, Morrowind had better graphics than Oblivion, and just like Skyrim has better graphics compared to Morrowind. But the main mechanics in Morrowind were a lot more, I guess you could say, traditional RPG-based compared to Oblivion. Now, as I mentioned, I think I even mentioned this in my introduction episode at the beginning of this podcast, but with Morrowind, or no, well, let's, let's start with Oblivion. So with Oblivion, you swing your sword at something and it hits. Now your skill level determines what other effects that that could have on it. So like if you hit like a, a side direction, say let's say you're swinging your sword and you hold down the right button on the d-pad while you're or the style you know the analog stick or whatever when you're swinging it you have a chance to disarm your opponent i've actually done that on stream when i was playing oblivion i think this is a couple like three or four weeks ago or something like that when i was playing oblivion on stream daily so yeah there's that you have certain attacks have a chance to paralyze your opponent for a few seconds. Now, with Morrowind, it's a little bit different. So, you can swing your sword, you can swing it overhead, you can swing it to the side, you can thrust, things like that. So, there's different movements that you do while you're swinging. Kind of like in um, the original games, like Arena and Daggerfall, you hold the right mouse button, and you can swing in different directions. You can swing overhead you can swing you can thrust you can swing to the side you can swing diagonal even with these different directions but with Morrowind your skill level determines the chance of something succeeding so that's what was really off-putting when I first tried this game because I'm swinging my sword at this little Kwama uh, grub. It, it looks like a giant worm on the ground at point blank range. 
and I am not hitting it. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So I'm like, all right, this sucks. I need to put it down. But once I got into it again, I, I'm like, you know what? I need to give this another shot. It's so highly praised. I need to give it a proper chance. And once I upped my skill level a little bit, it was a lot easier. And this mechanic doesn't just apply to weapons. It applies to everything. Like, spells can fail. Like, even if your magic skill, like, say, like, your enchanting skill. Or, no, let's, we'll get into enchanting in a minute. Let's say, you know, destruction. So, you say your destruction level is, like, super low. Even a simple fireball spell can fail. Now, if you are trying to enchant something and your enchantment fails, that will destroy whatever it is you're trying to enchant. So definitely, if you're, if you're playing Morrowind, definitely save your game before you try doing anything, especially enchanting, until you get your skill level up. Now, um, let's talk about... Uh, let's keep talking about enchanting. Now... With enchanting, you can do it anywhere. Like, you can be in the middle of a dungeon, and if there aren't any enemies around, you can enchant whatever you want to. In Oblivion, they changed it to where you can only enchant things at an altar of enchanting, and those are typically found at the uh, Mage's College, or the Mage's Guild uh, headquarters in the Imperial City. So... Another thing with uh, that you can do there is you can create your own spells. Now, again, in Morrowind, you can do this anywhere. So I had a favorite spell that I would create where it was a poisoning spell combined with a freezing spell. And I, of course, called it frozen poisoning because why not? Um, but again, in Oblivion, you can only do that at a specific altar. Another thing that changed from Oblivion to, or I'm sorry, from Morrowind to Oblivion is training. Now, in Morrowind, since training is so essential, you can train with anybody that in with that training as long as they're at the proper skill level, and you have the money to. So it what like in Skyrim you can only train five times per level. In Morrowind you can train until the cows come home as long as you have the appropriate amount of money. So if you're playing on PC, just keep using a console command to give yourself, you know, however many gold it takes. So um, yeah, that was really helpful. And I'm not going to lie, the whole five times per level thing, I don't really care for that. I, I, don't, I don't even really understand it, really. Um, what, what's the point of limiting your training per level? So, especially when it comes to being able to repair, like, with... I, th I don't think that this is the case in Morrowind. But in Oblivion and Skyrim, if you're trying to enchant, or not enchant, but repair enchanted items, you can't even do that until you're skill level 50. So that, <laughs> that was kind of frustrating. So I'm constantly using repair hammers to repair my own stuff. And I'm like, okay, I better not enchant my armor or whatever until I get to level 50. So that's kind of frustrating, but hey, what can you do? Now, here is a little segment about altars. So, in Morrowind, altars require a gold offering of 0 to 35 gold pieces to receive a blessing, depending on the player rank and the shrine associated uh, with the shrine's associated faction. Blessings can vary from altar to altar, but you can be always be cured of diseases and poisons by using them. In Oblivion, altars can be used for free, though a large number of them require that you have visited a way shrine for that deity. 
If your infamy is greater than your fame, you cannot use altars except for some found in official downloads. So, um, but they do also cure diseases and poisons. So, say you're suffering, like, you, you get bitten by, you get porphyric hemophilia in Morrowind, which is the vampire disease. There's only one strain of vampirism in uh, Oblivion. And there is a whole book that kind of goes into that. There's only one vampire clan in Cyrodiil. So you have like a day or something until you sleep next, basically, unless you want to have the vampire strand. Um, But you can go to an altar and have it cured, or you can use a potion of cure disease. But um, yeah, in Morrowind... You have to pay gold to be able to use it. So there's also uh, temples with shrines in Morrowind. And in Oblivion, they're in the chapels. Or right outside the city if you're doing the Knights of the Nine DLC. So um, in Morrowind and Oblivion, you're racist. And to a lesser extent, your class determine your starting attributes. So Skyrim kind of did away with the whole class system but in Oblivion and Morrowind you have your major skills and with Oblivion this is done through I want to say the Emperor and Cyrus the um, guard or is it Boris one of the uh, red guard uh, blades he'll um Emperor uh, Uriel Septim will ask which uh, star you're born under. And that'll determine some of your skills. And then Boris will be like, hey, based on your gameplay, you're an experienced knight. Or, you know, whatever class it is. You know, it's basically like your rogue or your warrior, your knight blade, spell sword, whatever. In um, Skyrim there are the standing stones that kind of determine that in oblivion sorry not oblivion but Morrowind, argonians and kanshi cannot wear any type of shoes boots or full helmets which i think is kind of bs so um yeah you can't obscure your face or your feet by armor in skyrim that changed that was thrown out the window so in Morrowind, uh, there are the birth signs, which is kind of what I was talking about. There is the sign of the lover, the sign of the mage, whatever. In Oblivion, those are chosen through a character, character creation and uh, the conversations with the two people I just mentioned. And in uh, Skyrim, it's the Standing Stones. In Morrowind most chests and containers can hold no more than 100 pounds in oblivion that was thrown out the window in morrowind there are cursed items and there are also chests that have traps on them in oblivion cursed items refer to items that you can reverse pickpocket and they will cause damage to the npc there's the staff of the everscamp which has a whole quest about it and there's also the poisoned apples which come to play in the dark brotherhood storyline and that is an easy way to kill your fellow members when it comes to that without straight up murdering them like face to face so basically what you do is you you pickpocket them and get rid of all their items and then put you reverse pickpocket apples into their possession or you could go to a table where people will eat and take off everything and then put some apples down so those are examples of cursed items i won't really get into the staff of the everscamp but yeah that's a quest item in Morrowind, there are three types of diseases requiring three types of cures. One of these is the Corpus disease, and that's a main quest um, plot point. In Oblivion, there's only one class of disease, but there's lots of different uh, types of. There's lots of different diseases 
the only exception is vampirism. And I talked about that earlier. So and there's also enemy scaling. There are different and more powerful variations of enemies that will appear when you get to higher levels. Um, like the Winged Twilights, those are pain in the ass, Golden Saints. Um, creatures of the same type have the same stats regardless of your level. So, um, yeah, the, the earlier types of enemies, they won't really level up with you. In Oblivion, most enemies will be level dependent and will be more powerful when you're at a higher level. And there's different and more powerful variations of enemies that appear at higher levels. So eventually you'll run into like mentors and ogres. Ogres are rough, man. Um, so yeah, there's that. Another change from Morrowind to Oblivion is running and jumping will drain your fatigue. So you can walk around and it won't drain your fatigue, but if you try running, it'll drain your fatigue in uh, Oblivion. You can run all over the place and your fatigue will not drain. Running only slows the rate at which your fatigue regenerates. So, yeah, I thought that <laughs> that was a nice change. From running or just having to walk everywhere in a Marlwind, um, kind of a drag. But there is fast traveling. In Marlwind, fast traveling, traveling is pretty limited. So you can only fast travel a handful of ways there are the stilt striders which look like giant locusts and uh, so you pay gold for that and they'll take you to different cities you can also find boats or pay for a boat um, that's another way there's also spells called mark and recall and so i mean they're sold separately but you definitely want to pick up both of them so you use the spell mark which will mark your place on the map and say you're getting ready to go into a dungeon but you're like oh shit i need more potions so you mark your spot with that spell and then you go do whatever it is you need to do whether it's buy supplies talk to somebody else whatever and then you use recall to travel back to that spot in Oblivion, there's fast, there, fast travel is a lot more uh, available. Basically, whenever you, unless it's a major city, you can fast travel to whatever major city you want to get to. But um, if you discover locations in the wild, then you can fast travel to them. So, um, yeah, uh, that was a very welcome change because, like I said, uh, I, I, I get it. And they want you to explore. There's a lot of things that you would not know are in the game unless you explored it. So that, but still, at the same time, who has time for that these days? <laughs> I, I do love traveling, just exploring though. In Morrowind, NPC audio is just a few random lines, excuse me, um, spoken if you walk up to somebody. But the actual dialogue is all text. In Oblivion, they really overhauled that, and all NPCs talk no matter what. Yeah, sure, there's still text in the menu, but at the same time, it's mostly, mostly voice. In Morrowind, the NPCs basically just stay put, even no matter what time of day it is. Um, they might walk around a little bit, but... They keep to the same general area. In Oblivion, player NPCs now have a full schedule, so they do go to bed at night. They travel around the city. There's like a specific route they go to. Like they may visit the chapel, they may work out in the field, whatever. They have a schedule. So um, yeah, in Morrowind, you can sleep at any time in the wilderness, provided that there are no enemies around you or on solid ground. Um, so you can actually level up just whenever. So, yeah, you, you can be out in the wild and, you know, there's no bed around and you can level up. And you can sleep. Unless, like I said, there's enemies around. 
Um, you can't. You have to be on solid ground, though. You can't be in water. You can't be falling, whatever. And um, you, you, in Oblivion, to level up, you have to sleep in a bed. Um, you can't. I mean, you, and you have to. Yeah, you have to sleep to level up, and that can get annoying. Um, the speechcraft skill. Um, it's purely uh, skill based. In Oblivion, you can bribe people. In in Morrowind, you can bribe people too. I should mention that. Um, you can taunt NPCs into attacking you. That's always fun. Um, just call them an Enwa or a, a, a Srit. <laughs> Swit, sorry, Swit. Um, in Oblivion, like I said, you can bribe people with speechcraft. Um, Increasing the disposition is done by a minigame, and to be completely honest, I don't really care for that minigame. But it is what it is. Now, uh, lockpicking is different in Oblivion compared to Morrowind. Uh, Basically, you use either a lockpick, there's something else, too. Um, There's, yeah, like I said, some chests have traps, so there's a trap. cancel or you know it gets rid of the trap sorry i'm blanking on the word um and yeah you just you use the lock pick like you would use a weapon you actually have to equip the lock pick or the uh, the trap um d setter <laughs> let's go with that in oblivion there is the whole tumbler system where you have to up to I think five tumblers are set and you have to push up each one and it is kind of a pain. I was very glad when they changed the lockpicking system to like it was in Fallout for Skyrim. And from my understanding, that was done by a mod. So, you know, Bethesda does keep an eye on the modding community, as I mentioned earlier. And they saw a mod that changed the lockpicking in Oblivion to be like Fallout. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to go with that for Skyrim. So thank you guys. Um, in Oblivion to Morrowind, if you're over-encumbered, you can't move at all. Um, another change is the alchemy system. So in in Morrowind, you have to... Well, I, should t- I take that back. You do have to carry all four pieces of the alchemy equipment to be able to well i mean you don't have to have all of them but you have to carry the equipment around to be able to create potions but uh, potions you you can you can create them wherever uh, potion weight is determined by the average weight of the ingredients and oblivion potion weight is determined by the average ingredient weight of the ingredients of the first potion brewed of that type subsequent will remain the exact weight so it doesn't really matter if it's like a, a better potion or not, I guess. Uh, potions can be uh, brewed at strengths much greater than what the developers originally intended in Morrowind. If you're brewing a mega potion, there are no known glitches that can lead to the creation of mega potions in Oblivion. So um, another thing from <laughs> there's the duplication glitch in Oblivion that there isn't in Morrowind. Um, you want to know what that is if you don't already let me know um in morrowind there are a lot more varieties of weapons and armor so in oblivion there is the curus there are greaves and there are boots and then there are gauntlets in morrowind there are even shoulder pieces that called pauldrons that um you can have there's a lot more varieties of that in Morrowind, there's also halberds, there's also uh, shivs, there are throwing knives, there are throwing stars. Um, yeah, they've really limited the weapon and armor varieties in Oblivion. I, I didn't really care for that. Um, another change is blocking in Morrowind. Blocking happens automatically depending on your block skill. But in Oblivion, it is done by a button, and uh, blocking may be performed with a shield, hands, or a weapon. And yeah, in Morrowind, you have to have shield. Um, yeah, in, in Morrowind, there's just a lot more varieties of things.
things. So, yeah, you know what? Um, oh, also in Morrowind, shops never close for the night. In Oblivion, like I said, everybody's on a schedule. So you have to go there during set time. And Oh, another thing in Morrowind is... Uh, Merchants gold also like if you buy something their gold will increase if you uh, Sell something their gold will decrease and they have that limited amount in oblivion Merchants have unlimited gold, but it will only pay up to Whatever that amount is that they have set and so like say something is 800 gold and you have something that in their mind, not just yours, is worth 1200 Well, they'll only offer you 800 for it. But in Morrowind, you could buy a couple of things to get up to them having the 1200 gold, and then they'll pay it. So that also, I think, is kind of nice. The problem is you have to wait for their money to replenish in a day or two. So, um, also, if you sell something to a merchant in Morrowind, sometimes, like, if it's armor or whatever, clothing, they'll put it on after you sell it to them. In um, Morrowind, also, there's Moon Sugar and Skuma. Um, honest merchants, like, non-Kajidi merchants won't deal with you if you uh, have that in your possession. Somehow they know. But... Khajiit don't care. They'll they'll buy it off for you. Yes, Khajiit love moon sugar. Yeah, yep. Yeah, your entire culture is actually based on moon sugar. So we don't talk about it. <laughs> don't worry, I already know. Um, in Oblivion and Morrowind, there's the whole fencing system. Um, also, I should mention as far as the thieves guild, some of that is limited based on what race you are. So, when I was playing Morrowind, they wouldn't let me in the Thieves' Guild because I was Nord. One of the times I played Morrowind. You have to be one of the lighter, sneakier uh, races, like a Bosmer or Khajiit or whatever. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, in Oblivion, they don't care. But you can sell stolen items only to fences. That that's like that in both games. Um... Guards will attempt to arrest you if your bounty is too high. Um, that's kind of the way in both games. Um, if you gain a bounty in Morrowind equal to 5,000 gold um, or more, they will issue a death warrant. Uh, guards will attack you on sight at any point. One way to get rid of your bounty is through the Thieves Guild, but quests that remove your bounty as a reward are also available. Guards will always attempt to arrest you in oblivion, and you can always be forgiven if you're through, if your crimes through proper channels. If your dis disposition with the guard is high enough, they can forgive you. Um, so, yeah, keep bribing the guards. Um... If you surrender and go to jail in Morrowind, you're committed to your fate. Escape is impossible. In Oblivion, you get one lockpick. And also, if you get arrested in Shivering Isles, escaping your cell is legitimate is a legitimate way of uh, serving your sentence. So I guess Sheogorath just doesn't really care. If you're good enough to get out, you're good. Um, in Morrowind, if you kill a guard without being seen, you will not receive a bounty. And no matter the circumstances in Oblivion, you will, um, <laughs> guards will seek you out. So, um, yeah, that really, I, I mean, there, there's more, but I won't really get into that a whole lot. So, um, yeah, let's, um. Let's get into the other topic. So, yeah, in, in Morrowind and Oblivion, you can both become the guild masters, depending on the guild. Um, so, Morrowind also has werewolves. Skyrim doesn't, uh, through the Blood Moon DLC. But, yeah, let, let's get into the other topic. So, Sullivan requested more information on Martin Septim's background. Now, I'm not going to lie, there isn't a whole lot known. 
There is a little bit, but not a ton. So let's let's uh, get into it here. There is a quote from the book The Oblivion Crisis, which you can find in Skyrim. It says, Unbeknownst even to himself, Martin was the bastard son of Uriel Septim VII and the last heir to the Ruby Throne. He alone could use the Amulet of Kings to light the dragon fires that wards the barriers between Tamriel and Oblivion and save the world from the Mythic Dawn plot. So, yeah, Martin was the illegitimate son of Uriel Septim VII, and we don't know who his mother was. I guess it just... nobody cared. I mean, Martin probably did, but nobody else really knew other than Martin and Uriel himself. And he was spirited away as an infant by Joffrey, the Grand Master of the Blades. Martin grew up knowing nothing of this and eventually became a priest of Akatosh in the city of Kavach. That's actually where you're sent to find him when the shit hits the fan with the Mythic Dawn and Uriel and his half-brothers and sisters were killed, leaving him the only heir to the Ruby Throne. So the Blade agents were able to find Martin and keep himself in keep him safe until the end of the crisis when the uncrowned emperor of Tamriel was forced to sacrifice himself, god I can't talk right now, to stop Mehrun's Dagon. So like I said, there is a little bit known about his background uh, before you find him in Kavach, but not a ton. Uriel did ask Joffrey for updates from time to time on Martin's progress but that was the extent of the emperor's relationship to his son. That is, until the 27th of last seed in the year of Akatosh uh, 433, when the Emperor gave the instructions to your player character, who he had just met, to find his son and close shut the jaws of oblivion. So, Martin does talk a little bit about stuff he did in the past. Um, I wasn't always a priest. Um, so he threw him, it says that he threw himself into the riddles of Daedric magic and he hungered for forbidden secrets and knowledge and power um, that only the gods possessed. And he says, you, you can guess the rest. We got in over our heads. People died. My friends died. I've put those days behind me. But the bitter wisdom that one has been a fool is not without value. So another thing that he mentions when you do the, uh, da the Daedric artifact quest when he sends you to get a Daedric artifact so you can use it in the creation of the portal to Gaia Alada. If you give him Sanguine's Rose, which I actually did in my last playthrough, he mentions that he once possessed it and he never thought that he would see it again. So my guess is that he followed Sanguine. Like, he was a worshiper of Sanguine at one point in time. So, yeah, which, uh, why you would choose Sanguine out of all the other choices, I don't know. Sanguine is really unpredictable, and he basically just does things to amuse himself. We'll talk about that when we get to the Sanguine episode. But Martin eventually turned away from Daedra worship after a tragedy befell him which involved the deaths of his friends and he hungered for forbidden secrets but he re rededicated himself to the nine divines and became brother martin um other than that it mentions that his father that or that his uh, adopted father was a farmer and um other than that you don't really know much about his past I, I wish there were more I guess he grew tired and wanted more than the life of a farmer and I get I mean he did get it even though he led a quiet life up until then but um, I think that's kind of a common theme with these Elder Scrolls games where you don't really your your character for the most part comes from nothing more often than not, your player character starts out in prison. And I think the only one where you don't is Daggerfall. 
So yeah, I think that's that's kind of a common theme with these Elder Scrolls games is that the hero comes from nothing and rises up and becomes more powerful than anybody could ever imagine. And that's kind of true with Martin also. Even though he is born from royalty, he grew up not knowing any of that and he led the life of a quiet farmer until he got frustrated with that turned to you know i guess you could say evil for the lack of a better phrase worshiping daedra is always risky because more often than not they'll make deals with you but they want something really costly in return and thank god that he turned away from that and really found himself at the height of prominence. He became the Emperor of Tamriel, even if for a short time, and he saved Tamriel through ultimate sacrifice. And there's something to be said for that. So anyway, that was it as far as listener suggestions. And those were made through following me on social media so if you would like to get a hold of me you can find me my personal accounts are uh, with twitter and instagram it's iangold08 but i post i try to post quite a bit I'm, I'm trying to be better about posting stuff on social media through the show's uh, social media and you can find those on instagram at tamriel adventures and twitter at tamriel p so, like I said, if you're not following the show on those platforms, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because every now and then I may do a listener suggestion episode like I did today. Also, you can find me on Twitch, as I mentioned earlier, at twitch.tv slash I don't just play Bethesda games. I've played a variety of things like Batman. I'll probably play... Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey here in a bit. I have played Valhalla in the past. I will probably get into that again once... Uh, well, I'll, I'll probably get into that here in a bit. It just... That game is so long, I had to take a break from it. Um, you can also check out my other show, Nintendo, that I do with Durka. We just wrapped up a series on Pokemon. So Pokemon Gen 8, we kind of did a reflection on that because we'd already done an initial reaction episode after that came out. And now that we were done with that, we are going to be doing a series on another uh, big time Nintendo series that is near and dear to my heart, and that is The Legend of Zelda. So be on the lookout for that because I love me some Zelda. And uh, also, I'd like to thank The Hive for sponsoring the show, as always. And I would like to thank the UESP, as always, for the information. So, like I said, next week, I'm going to... Not next week, I keep saying that. Next episode, I am going to be back to the Adra and the Daedra series. And I am going to be doing an episode on Mara, the goddess of love. So... As always, stay safe, adventurers. Mm-hmm.